Father, I ask now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. You alone are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. <laughs> Please be seated. Good morning. We are in the uh, fourth and final week of a very short sermon series here at St. Thomas. Uh, we're looking at the key values and commitments of our young church. And we're doing that partly because we have a big transition coming up. Um, in less than two months, um, we're going to move from this facility here in the Day Chapel, um, and we're going to move downtown into the heart of the city in the Foundry Building right behind the Classic Center. And so as we think about that new season of ministry for our young church, we want to spend a little time on our identity, our values, our commitments, um, just kind of getting on the same page uh, before we shift over together. Um, today, we've talked about welcome, abide, follow. Today is engage, engage. Generously steward our financial resources, serve one another from our gifts, and go out in mission and mercy uh, from St. Thomas. And we're going to look at the two readings we had. Um, the parable of the Good Samaritan we'll start with as we think about generosity, and then we'll move to Ephesians 4 as we think about serving one another and going out in mission and mercy from uh, St. Thomas. Um, and, and it occurred to me, uh, when, it, when, when I say the word engage, I don't know what comes to mind, um, but for years I drove a Toyota Prius. That's right, imagine shoehorning a human into a car. That was me getting into this little bitty Prius, had this hybrid engine. And who here has driven a hybrid vehicle? Okay, about half the room. So it's a weird experience, right? Because you, you like push a button and you're like, I don't even know if this is, if it's on. I don't know if the engine's engaged. When you stop at a light, you're like, if I push, like, will we go anywhere? Um, that's... <laughs> We don't want people looking at your life, looking at our church like a hybrid vehicle going, is it on? Is it engaged? Is anything going to happen when we push the gas? Instead, we want to be fully engaged with our faith um, in this church and as we follow uh, what we believe God has in store for us. And so if you think about the, the idea of engaging, really kind of three things under it, um, give, serve, and go. And so the first giving, generously steward our financial resources. Um, we, we actually selected uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan to think about this. Because giving and mercy go hand in hand. Um, you see that throughout Jesus' emphasis on stewardship and on giving. Text read the parable for us, uh, the Good Samaritan. And we don't have time to look at all the nuances. We could spend all day. Um, we could spend all month on the parable of the Good Samaritan uh, but just a few things to point out for our benefit this morning. Um, first of all, in the original context, Jesus is telling this parable with a clear edge to it. Uh, the scribe comes to Jesus and says, um, you know, what's the greatest commandment? We talked about this last week, the great commandment. And Jesus sums it up. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this man answers with, well, who is my neighbor? And what he's really asking is, who isn't my neighbor? Who don't I have to love? And Jesus gives uh, this parable. And shockingly, he makes the Samaritan the hero. 
which would not have been natural for them at all (laughs) to make the Samaritan the hero of this story. Um, But a few things to notice about the Samaritan is, uh, first, the Samaritan, unlike the religious leaders, sees this man in distress, and he allows himself to be interrupted. He notices him. He has compassion on him. And it just occurred to me that that's really hard for most of us to allow ourselves to be interrupted, to notice. Um, I don't know about you, my calendar's pretty full. (laughs) My to-do list is too long. (laughs) And uh, I'm just checking from one thing to the next. Um, I don't always have the ability to have my head up, look around, notice, and allow myself to be um, interrupted and and to actually want to do something um, about it. And uh, what I noticed that he has compassion on this man, and he does two things. Uh, First, he gives immediate aid. Hey, you're bleeding out. Let me put some oil on that. Let me get you just, let's do some triage here to get you okay. And then we're going to look at a more long-term solution. We're going to get you in this inn. Um, He invests substantially uh, to pay. He says two denarii, two days wages. And kind of says, hey, let me know when you need more. Um, this man gives of his time. He gives of his substance. He gives regularly, and he even kind of gives an open uh, check, a blank check to this innkeeper. Let me know uh, what you need. He's not stingy at all. Um, and, and what occurs to me is that if this Samaritan is this model of generosity, and he gives generously to this person who he doesn't even know, well, then how much more Um, are we called to steward generosity with the things that God's placed in front of us that we do know, that we can connect to? Um, And and very clearly, there's a priority on um, helping God's church be built up and then serving in mission and ministry together. Um, And and one thing I want to say is 2 Corinthians 9 kind of guides me on this. We don't give a lot of uh, arm-twisting sermons on generosity. Um, I grew up with some of those. Um, I grew up with uh, something we did called the Chest of Joash. And the Chest of Joash came out when the church was in the red. And the Chest of Joash would be placed in front of the congregation, and they would take up an offering, and they would see how much it was. And they would keep taking offerings and ask each family to come up until the Chest of Joash had enough money to get the church out of the red. Um, That's not what we're doing here. (laughs) 2 Corinthians 9, Paul writes, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. It's part of our worship unto the Lord to generously steward um, our resources. And in many ways, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. Um, This young church does a great job in this area um, and has done a wonderful job in this area in our young history. Um, God has provided through and for his people. Um, And he's done it in so many ways. There there are churches outside of Athens that have invested thousands and thousands of dollars in seeing a gospel-minded church be raised up here in Athens. Um, A vibrant, disciple-making, liturgical church that's all about the gospel. Um, There are individuals outside of Athens who don't come here Um, who love this church and who give regularly and substantially to um, the work here. We we have one gentleman, he goes to our cathedral in Loganville. And 
Um, he has been giving $1,000 a month to support St. Thomas since before we were meeting for weekly worship. And he still does it. And sometimes I feel awkward. I'm like, hey, man, I think. He's like, no, I, I feel called to do this. And some folks have that gift and calling of extreme generosity. And then others of us have just the normal, faithful, generous stewardship of what God um, has given to us. Um, here at our church, many of our members, many of our attenders have given a tithe regularly and consistently to keep this church strong, to do the work that God has given us to do. Um, individuals have made special, um, extravagant gifts as an act of worship and support uh, for this church. Um, in mid-November, we announced that we we're going to be making this big move to the Foundry Building. And we said, hey, we've, we've got some costs associated with this. Um, we need to raise a substantial amount of money uh, before mid-March to do this. We called it our Tabernacle Fund. And you as a church responded uh, beautifully, generously, such that we were able before the end of the year to meet that goal. Um, and be ready for the work ahead. So don't hear this as an arm-twisting sermon. <laughs> um, this is a well-done, let's keep going. Um, let's keep building on this strength of our church, because as we do move, um, there's going to be resources involved. We're kind of taking a step up in terms of where we're meeting, what it will cost, um, what it will mean to meet our expenses. And we'll talk about some of this uh, next Sunday. We'll do our annual meeting and look at kind of the year We've had, and the year ahead, the budget, that kind of stuff. Um, but that's as we think about our church. The other thing I just want to highlight is it's been really fun to watch our church grow in generosity in the sense that we receive um, gifts and tithes and offerings. Uh, but also this church has grown in our capacity to give. Um, and so kind of like we, we hope that a lot of our members are tithing to the church, we as a church kind of tithe to partner organizations and ministries that we believe in and partner with. We've got 12 uh, partner ministries in our budget this year that we are making a substantial gift to as a congregation. And I highlight that just so that you know that when you are giving to St. Thomas, you're also giving through St. Thomas um, to things that we really want to connect with. And I get that you could do that on your own. You could just write a check to, hey, I like this ministry, I like this need, and that's well and good. Um, but if you give it to and through the church, it allows us to actually bring those gifts together and leverage it in a way that's really beautiful. It's a partnership where we're working hand in hand uh, with these organizations, not just providing um, isolated individual support. Um, and so I just wanted to, one, thank you for um, your generosity. Um, it's been great to see our church growing in that, and um, we hope to see us continue to grow in strength so that we can move to the foundry. Um, and Lord willing, you know, after that, we're kind of going to be on the scan for, hey, where's the next step for us? Um, and what kind of resources will the Lord bring for that? And we trust that he is bringing those resources to his church. So um, that's the first thing. All right, good. No, so the last time I taught on this, someone, someone here knows that they actually had a, a, a palpitation and fell out in the service. We had to stop the service and call an ambulance. And so nobody's done that. We are good. We have succeeded for the morning. Well done, St. Thomas. All right. Secondly, serving. Serving one another uh, from our gifts. This is where I want to spend some time uh, with Ephesians 4. And uh, if you got a card when you came in, that's kind of what this is about. Some new ways 
to be serving as we move to the foundry building. But in Ephesians 4, Paul paints this incredible picture um, of what it means to have leadership and ministry in the church. And I just want to highlight in verses 11 through 12, Paul says that God uh, gives to the church apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Uh, and that's where I want to spend a little time this morning, because in those short verses, this is an incredible vision of what it means to think about ministry and mission in the church. Um, the goal of all of these leaders who have been called to church leadership, according to Paul, is not to do the work of ministry, but to equip all of us to do the work of ministry together. Um, like when, when I was growing up, I, I thought that I was just supposed to sit there, and then we had the ministers, and they did the ministry. Um, and if we like gave enough money, we could just outsource the work to them, <laughs> and they would do it. Um, as I've grown, I've realized, hey, we actually have that backwards. Like we're all called to the work of ministry. We are all ministers, and the role of leaders in the church is equipping and guiding and helping that ministry um, to take place. Um, I, I always, forgive me, I sometimes think in sports analogies, um, but I actually think of coaching in this way. Um, like on a given Saturday in Sanford Stadium, Kirby Smart doesn't throw the football. He's not in the game. He's not running the plays. He is equipping the team to do uh, what they've been asked to do. Um, when I think of Christian leadership, it's a coaching. We want to equip you and get you ready to then go do um, what you are called uh, to do. And um, we would think about this in terms of the priesthood of all believers. Um, and that, that's worth kind of thinking through. What does it mean? You see, actually, when I was ordained as a priest in the Anglican Church, I was working with high school students in Texas. And the first thing I did was talk about what does it mean to be ordained as a priest and how does that relate to the priesthood of all believers? Because some of them thought, okay, you're a priest, you're the professional now, you do all the stuff and I sit here. I was like, no, no, that's, that's not it at all. Um, and even if you look in the scriptures, there's a word for priest that kind of means intermediary between God and man. And we're told in the scriptures, there's one of those that's the high priest, the Lord Jesus. And then we're told that all of us are a kingdom of priests, the priesthood of all believers. And then God actually will give leaders to the church in the form of bishops, presbyters, and deacons. And there's this little trick in the English language where during the time of the Reformation, um, the word for priest and the abbreviation for presbyter was actually the same, P-R-E-B-S-T. And so during the Reformation, when they said, hey, we want to make sure and restore the priesthood of all believers, they said, we want to restore that notion, recover the idea that our ministers are there to equip us, but like, let's just keep the same word. And sometimes I wonder if that was a real mistake. <laughs> because if you keep the same word and try to change the meaning over time, sometimes you've just kept the word and not changed the meaning. But we believe in the priesthood of all believers, the ministry of all uh, in the church. And so Paul says that we're to equip the saints uh, in order to build up the body of Christ. This is how we serve one another um, and serve for uh, one another. 
And so um, I was just thinking about, okay, what does that look like in the life of our church, our community? Because there's lots of ways that we do this all through the week. Uh, but let's just talk about, let's say, on Sundays. Um, on any given Sunday, there are 40 to 50 people serving in addition to our staff at St. Thomas. Folks are helping out in the kids' ministry or uh, greeting or passing the plate or playing the flute or reading scripture or down with the kids or helping with the coffee or setting up. Or t- there are 40 to 50 people every Sunday um, that are actually serving us um, to build up the body so that we can gather for worship, gather to be nourished and refreshed and sent back out. Um, we have 93 people total on one of our current Sunday teams. Um, and that's not just adults. We have, we have kids serving, <laughs> carrying the cross, helping out as youth helpers. 93 people. Uh, 38 of those are on multiple teams. In fact, we actually have in our midst someone who is on the most teams of anyone at St. Thomas. And I'm going to give him a hard time because he's a proud graduate of the University of Tennessee. And what's their mascot? The Volunteers. (laughs) Of course he's on the most teams. Thank you, Brian. Um, I know he loves being called out that way. Um, I love that he's on six teams at the church. Um, And that's awesome that he serves in that way. Um, our, our real thought going forward is, man, we want more people serving less often so that it's more sustainable for our community. Uh, people who are serving out of their giftedness and passion, um, more people less often so it is more sustainable. And particularly the reason you have a card is we realize, hey, our ways of serving are changing quite a bit as we go to the foundry building. Um, In many ways, a lot of our Sunday serving right now, um, you have to make a little adjustment to your schedule, and that like you might need to get here a little bit early, or you might need to stay a little late, or hey, during the service, like Brandon popped up, hey, let me come do the reading, and then go sit down. But you know, on Brandon's calendar was go to church, and then okay, I'm going to do a reading and serve the body that way while I'm at church. Um, And what we realized was in many ways, Our move to the foundry is going to be a new reality that we need folks who it's not just come a little early or stay a little late or while you're here, will you serve? It's, oh, we need like a whole, like a pre-service team to help set the table for us. Um, It's a bigger space, but it's an empty space. And so like, for example, we don't have to put pews in here every week. Uh, We're going to have to set up chairs every week for us to sit on. Um, Now, luckily, there's no chance those chairs will break like some of these pews. (laughs) But you get the idea. We're going to have a lot more work to do, getting things ready. So there's a setup team. We want a lot of folks to go, hey, I could help with that team. Similarly, kind of after the service, we're going to need folks who are willing uh, to serve. And we've got some folks who have already stepped up there, which is awesome. We want more people serving less often so it's more sustainable. Um, You know, I was thinking about our kids' ministry. Uh, Right now, some of our kids' ministry volunteers, they go to service, uh, and then they serve at the other service. Or they serve at 9, and they come at 11. We're going to be in one service at 10. So it's going to be a little more of a sacrifice to serve in the kids' ministry area. There's not an opportunity to go to the other um, service hour 
we're going to need more folks to help out with St. Thomas Kids. Um, and so there's information there. If you're like, hey, I'd like to be on that team. Even at a really practical level, um, you may have noticed um, we have more little ones in the church. Um, I think we eight babies born to church members last year, a few families with, with young babies who have connected, um, and, and to be continued. More on the way, right? Um, well, when you have a lot of little biddies, that actually means you need a different ratio of adult helpers to little ones. Because if you've got six babies, unless you're an octopus, you can't hold them all at once. <laughs> like we actually need more folks helping in that area. And then we actually have a more extensive sound system set up and kind of AV team uh, to make that space work. And it occurred to me that the person serving there has probably got to be a little more dialed into the service than even now. And so in many ways, you're serving the body by doing a task instead of engaging directly in worship. You're engaging the Lord in service by being willing to build up the body. Does that make sense? And so we want more people serving less often so it's sustainable. Um, in some ways, going to one service will help things feel sustainable um, as we kind of do that. And really, you know, as I've thought about this move we're making, um, I wish I could tell you that it's going to make everything easier. <laughs> um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to require some heavy lifting from our church. Um, it's going to require probably six months of like, hey, let's lean in together. Um, there's room to grow, and we're excited about those God's bringing, and they'll take their place so that it becomes sustainable. Before a little bit, we've got to lean in together um, and serve together for uh, what we feel God is doing for uh, us in our church. So um, there is a card you got when you came in. If you'd like to say, had hey, want more information on one of these foundry building teams, just check that, put it in the offering plate as it goes by. Um, there goes the wind. Um, hey, if you're new or you're a visitor, we're glad you're here. And so there's also a place on that. We're not asking you to, you know, check a box for a team. But if you'd like more information about our church or our upcoming membership class, um, there's a way that you can indicate that as well. We'd love to help you connect. Um, most of the opportunities, you don't have to be a member at the church. Um, the only area we're kind of really careful with that is in the kids' ministry because um, we want to be safe and secure with the kids. And so we want to get to know folks, train them. There's a background check, all those things uh, to serving kids. And so um, that's what it looks like to serve one another. And I'm excited to see us grow in that. And again, this is something we do really well already. And we can build on this strength. Uh, someone asked in the last service, they go, so are we just like building the plane as we're flying it? I was like, no. <laughs> we are flying a plane and then we're building another plane. <laughs> and at one moment in a few weeks, we're going to have a little bridge go out and we're going to all jump over there together <laughs> and then fly the new plane. <laughs> that's kind of what we're attempting here. And that's why we're, we're trying to help, you know, bring everyone along together um, as we're thinking about this. And so the third, if you think about giving and serving, the third will be going. How do we go out in mission and mercy from St. Thomas? I mentioned that we've got a dozen partner ministries that we invest in um, that are in our budget. There are more ministries that we're serving regularly, that we're involved with in our city. Um, but some of these are, you can imagine, some of these are campus ministries. Um, they're serving students in a direct, specialized way. And we give funds to that. We actually have leaders from ministries who come here that are part of this. We have staff from those ministries who come here 
and are part of what we're doing at St. Thomas. For me, it's a joy to think, man, if I can pastor these folks well, then they're going out doing ministry we would never have access to on the front lines. And that, that spreads the, the impact of a small church um, like ours. And so we've got lots of campus ministries that are doing that. Um, we're partnering with uh, Mercy Ministries in our city, uh, serving those who are in need. And again, we're going, hey, we don't know how to meet all these needs, but there are folks who are really good at it. Let's come along beside and behind them to support um, the work that they're doing. Uh, we partner with some international stuff. We've got, I guess this is international. Um, we, we have a ministry we work with called Trinity on the Border. They're right at the, in Texas at the U.S.-Mexico border. Um, and they're primarily serving folks who are detained in that kind of, in the process there um, in a very nonpartisan way. It's actually fun to talk to them about, you know, there's all these headlines from this angle and this angle. Here's what it's like to do real ministry with real people <laughs> in the real mess here on the border. So we're supporting that ministry. Um, believe it or not, you know, we're called to love our enemies. And so we're actually supporting a church plant in Tuscaloosa this year. <laughs> Um, there's a priest at our diocese who's an Auburn grad and was like, well, the Lord said, love your enemies. Here I go. Let's uh, get that set up. It's, it's just kind of cool. Like our young church, we're helping that church plant um, and what they're doing. So we, we want to be engaged in things together. We've got uh, every week, we've got members of this church through Chosen for Life who are cooking meals uh, for families in our community that are fostering. It's like they're doing this incredible work And we're going, hey, we can come alongside to make this doable, to help serve you and be a community, a village for you uh, to provide meals. Those are ways that you see day in and day out from our church, um, along with all of the natural ways that people just become friends or do meal trains or pray for one another, text one another. Those are all part of going out in mission uh, and mercy together. We view those as part of our work. In fact, if, if, you, if you like that analogy that, that we're coaching, kind of like Kirby, and, and there's the, like all of this is we're, we're, we're helping all these things happen um, by equipping. And when we think about this moment coming together for church, our hope is that this would refresh and nourish and sustain and equip you to then go out and do these things. Um, I mean, we're doing it. There's things we'll do together as a church, but also individually, each of you have you have vocations and callings, um, different jobs. Some of you are mothers and fathers and grandparents and siblings and friends, and um, we want to help you with that work. Um, I, so many people in this church in particular um, are in like different helping professions. Like, like you pour yourself out to serve. And so we're wanting, hey, how can we help fill you back up so that then you can go out in the name of Jesus um, and serve. This is all connected. When we think about our, our friends, our households, our families, our jobs, we want to help you cultivate an imagination for that. Um, honestly, we want to help you with discerning that. A lot of our college students or grad students will say, like, hey, help me figure out, like, sh- what should I do for work? How should I spend my time? Hey, let, let's talk about how God's wired you. How's he called you? What would that look like? We have folks come to us, hey, am I called to marriage or called to singleness? Hey, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what that means in different seasons of our lives. Um, This is part of where we think about engaging together and engaging our faith um, together and kind of getting an imagination for that. But all that's connected to the broader body of Christ. 
That's what Paul, I mean, we, he has all these passages about, hey, we're a body um, and we're connected. And um, it occurs to me that the opposite of that is disconnected and isolated. And, and, and you know, there are ministries and folks in town that they're just kind of isolated. They're disconnected from the body. Uh, I always think of those like, a, you've seen the old Adams Family movie. I guess there's new movies, right? There's the Adams Family, the new movie. And uh, there's, a little, there's a little hand called Thing. Thing's weird, right? Thing is a little disturbing. It's just a hand that runs around, and it does all of the functions that a whole body would do. It waves and walks and kind of gestures, and it, it's trying to be a whole body as a hand. And we have, uh, you know, ministries and folks, that that's how they operate. I'll sometimes encounter someone, and they'll say, hey, it's great what you're doing at church. Here's my ministry. I'm like, oh, we usually don't use those kind of pronouns with ministry. This is our work together. This is our ministry. Let's help figure out your calling and how do we support you and sustain you in that so you're not like thing running around. We want the whole body working together. Um, and if you're going, hey, that sounds great. I don't know what my gifts are. Um, talk to somebody. Uh, talk to one of our staff. We would love to help you figure out, man, what has God wired you to do? How is he, by the Holy Spirit, giving you a gift that this community needs? Um, and you can then serve this community, build it up, and then go out in mission and mercy together. Because all that works. It's a rhythm back and forth. Um, usually in our post-communion prayer, you hear this. Right now we're using the Song of Simeon because it's Epiphany season. Uh, but usually at the end of our Eucharistic prayer, we, we receive communion we're nourished and sustained and refreshed by the Lord. And then we pray, now, Father, send us out to do the work you have given us to do, to love and serve you as faithful witnesses of Christ our Lord. And we go out, and we don't do that in our own strength, because Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. No, we go out, empowered by the Spirit. We do that work he's given us to do. And then we come back and say, I need to be refreshed and sustain, and encourage, and equip. Okay, and now I'm ready to go back out and do the work that God has. It's that kind of rhythm, back and forth, back and forth. Um, and all this is rooted in grace. <laughs> we do it out of gratitude. Um, we, we get to do this. Um, and, and I remember when I, I first kind of came to faith in, in, in high school, um, they gave me these little scripture memory cards. Anyone get those? Uh, they might have been from the navigators, actually. It was little scripture memory cards. Um, I think the first one was John 14, 6. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the second was from, was from Ephesians 2. Um, it says, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith as a gift, uh, not from work so that no one can boast. I was like, great, it's all grace, we're done. And then later someone showed me that there's a verse after that. <laughs> verse 10. <laughs> for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Um, it starts with grace, and then we're commissioned to do this work. And God delights to do this work in and through his people. And he sustains us as we do it. Um, Bishop N.T. Wright, you knew this was coming. <laughs> he says that idea, we are his workmanship, he has prepared good works that we should walk in. He says that is one of Paul's central statements on how we, the church, 
are central to God's work in the world and central to his work of new creation of making all things new. Um, John Chrysostom, a church father, puts it another way. God's mission was not to save people in order that they remain barren or inert. Um, Now, I wasn't very good at chemistry in school. My mom was a chemistry teacher. But we learned about inert gases. They're not engaged. They're not active. They just sit and wait. And it's not life-giving for them or anything around them. They're just inert. That's not a picture of vibrant faith. That's not what it means to be um, a disciple-making, liturgical church that's all about the gospel. I mean, the word liturgy means the work of the people, the work for the people. It's not a style. It's that we don't view this as an audience. We come together by grace and do this work together. We give generously from our gifts to build up the body. We serve one another generously from our gifts to build up the body. We go out in mission and mercy from the church to do the work that God has given us to do. What are those good works that God has prepared for our church to do? What are the good works that God has prepared for you uh, to do? Well, part of that is to engage to prayerfully discern how do I generously steward uh, these financial resources and gifts God has given? How do I serve this body from the gifts God has given? And how do I go out in mission and mercy, um, not in my name, but in the name of the Lord? Amen? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.